Welcome to the Disney Points Podcast, where our goal is to help you take that dream Disney vacation without blowing through your savings. With ticket costs and hotel prices constantly on the rise, we want to show you what's possible when you introduce credit card points and miles to the Disney equation. I'm Kim Shearer, and you can find me on my blog, vacationpointers.com, or at my Instagram account, at vacation underscore pointers. And I'm Sam Holland, and you can find me on the web at almostfreetraveling.com, or on Instagram at Almost Free Traveling. And now, this is the Disney Points Podcast. If you can't tell, she's a homeschooling mom who loves Disney, who loves Disney so much that she married her husband at Disney World. And I just think that's the coolest thing. It's a prerequisite. Um, it, is, it is. Heather, tell us more about that. Tell us what you told your husband before you married him. So when my husband and I started dating pretty soon after when I thought this might get serious, um, I just asked him, I said, will you agree to a Disney wedding? And he said, yes. So the rest is history. We got married. At that's Disney. when you knew. Yeah. That's when I knew that he was the one because he must have known that I was Disney crazy at that point. If I asked if we would get married at Disney two weeks into our relationship. That's awesome. So tell us more about your Disney story. When was your first Disney vacation or whatever you want to share about it? So I actually was born in Florida and lived in Florida until I was eight years old. And growing up, we had annual passes. So we would go on the weekends to Disney quite a bit. And then once I've grown up and gotten married, we still will go to Disney. We try to get there at least once a year. I've been going my whole life. And then now my husband comes with us. So are you like me? Are you a Disney World over Disneyland? Person? Yes, I've actually never been to Disneyland. We had planned our trip to Disneyland in the summer of 2020, and we have never rescheduled that trip. So I've just started to look at Disneyland again. It's just tricky to get there from the East Coast. Yeah, where, Disney- where do you guys live? What state? We live in East Tennessee, so we can drive to Disney. It's actually faster for us to drive to Disney World than it is to get to an airport, connect because we live closer to small airports. Um, so we drive to Disney from where we are, and it's about eight and a half to nine hours. So it's not bad. Um, Sam, can you still be friends with Heather if she doesn't go to Disneyland? You know, there's so many more people that are connected to Disney World than land for obvious reasons. So I, it's just Disneyland is just a West Coast thing out here. I mean, I grew up in Oregon. And so it's always going to be my home park. But I understand that for the majority of people in the country, a lot of you, you know, east of the Rockies, you go to Disney World. I get it. I like it's Disney okay. World. Right? Okay, good. Um, so, Heather, tell me, when you guys go, do you normally stay on property at a Disney hotel? Do you stay off property? A little bit of both. What's your... We, we mostly will stay on property. When we used to fly to Disney, it was back when they had Magical Express. And so it was a no-brainer to stay on property because the airport transfer was included. Um, Now that we drive, we will typically drive down and stay a night off property before checking in at an on-site Disney hotel. Um, Just because it's obviously a little bit pricier at the Disney hotels um, and we can use points off property. But we just like the convenience of being on property. And we almost always rent DVC points so we can stay 
at resorts that are right by the parks and just makes it a lot easier and more enjoyable when we go. Yes. That sounds like us too. We like to stay at like an off-property hotel the night before just to save a little bit of money. Yeah. We like to really make those expensive Disney hotels go as far as they can and get, get the our, most out of them. Get our full day on check-in. Exactly. Yeah. So I actually, that's like a great tip actually, I think to maybe use points. If you, if you do want to experience a Disney hotel, use points the night you arrive. If it's just going to be kind of a recuperate before heading to the parks the next day. Yeah. Yeah, That's great. So you, when you rent DVC points, are you paying cash for that or are you somehow working points into that strategy? So our first trip that we took on points, um, we always, let me rewind that. So we always pay cash when we are doing a DVC rental. I haven't found a way to like directly pay for the DVC rental with points um, outside of using Capital One Miles. We haven't actually rented using Capital One Miles, but that's that's the only one I know that you can directly like erase the charge. But yeah. we, we will put our DVC rental on whatever card we're working on a minimum spend for. Um, and the first time that we rented... I didn't even know about transfer partners from Chase at that point. So we just cashed out our ultimate reward points into our bank account and then paid off our credit card with those. Um, The last few times we've been able to make it work with the pay yourself back categories. There just isn't a convenient one right now for that, but we will pay out of pocket and then figure out how to like finagle our points to cover or offset those costs. Yeah. And maybe a little bit later, I'm going to ask you some other ways that you maybe raise some money or save some money to pay for those things. Cause, cause that's another important thing to keep in mind. It doesn't always have to be all points. No. Um, okay. So back to the credit cards, when did you first realize that like, Oh my gosh, I could use credit card points to make this one of our Disney vacations cheaper. Yeah. Well, when I was working full time, we would just go to Disney and pay for it. And it was not a big deal. Like we had both of our incomes. Once I started staying home with our kids, my income being gone meant that we had no travel fund anymore. And so my husband kind of jokingly said, you know, once we can use credit card points to cover our expenses, we can go back to Disney. Um, And at the time, all I had was the Disney visa. That was my first card. Uh And I thought I was like big time because I would earn a few hundred dollars a year because we put everything on that card. It seems like the obvious choice. (laughs) But it's really not. Yeah. He thought like, oh, well, once we earn enough Disney visa reward points, we can go back to Disney because it'll be free. Um, But not not long after that, I stumbled into a group of Disney travel hackers and I was just amazed at you know what they were doing so I got a mentor in that group that kind of helped me come up with a plan and once I had a plan it was just zero to 60 right away like I was ready to do it because we didn't have any way to get to Disney without credit card points and so I knew I had to do this or we were not going to Disney anymore so that was that was that that was yeah it was that was three years ago so we've gone to Disney on points three times since then, completely, you know, covering our trips with points. What was the plan that your mentor set you up with? And is it still your plan? Do you keep working the same plan? 
Well, it was more of like open this card, you know, player one, open this card this date. And then player two, this is your first card and just alternating back and forth. We talked when I was talking with them for the first time, you know, they just had me craft my ideal Disney trip and then kind of threw credit cards at me that would earn me the points that I needed to um, take that trip. So it wasn't necessarily like a, I, I repeat the plan quite a bit because it's mostly Chase Inc. cards and um, we don't need Southwest points anymore, but that was like our travel was using Southwest miles and getting companion passes. So that was pretty much our plan. Yeah. Cause I know mm-hmm. what I've seen you post the most about on Instagram are Chase cards, Hilton cards. And I guess I haven't seen you post about Southwest, but you mentioned that used to be part yeah. of your strategy. So maybe Hilton and Chase, are those still kind of your go-tos? Yes. I feel like I'm the oddball out on Instagram because I, I love Hilton, which I know that's like the, the one hotel chain that a lot of people love to hate. Um, and then I also love Chase Points, but I don't transfer my Chase Points to Hyatt. So I'm kind of the oddball. And just to clarify, I think the hate for Hilton is not because yes. people don't like hotels. It's just no. because you the don't point- necessarily get it if you're transferring points to them. Or Yes. No, their transfer rates are atrocious. <laughs> I agree. Well, We always have a healthy stash of points through them just by spending on the cards and sign-up bonuses. So. That's well, then we... I just have to say, I'm the odd woman out on Instagram because I talk about Marriott. And I mean, Marriott <laughs> is way more hated than Hilton. Because oh, at least with Hilton, you don't pay resort fees. That's true, yeah. On Redemption Stays. So, solidarity. <laughs> <laughs> we all so... have different preferences. <laughs> which is nice. So, Heather, what was the first card then that you opened? Was it a Chase Inc. card? So my first card was the Chasing Preferred, and that was back when the sign-up bonus on that was 80,000 points for $5,000 in minimum spend. So it was really, considering that the plan that my mentor kind of set me up with was open the Chasing cards, cash your points out for one cent per point, Um, it was a decent sign-up bonus because I was getting $800 to put towards our DVC rental when we spent $5,000. And then once I started the process and I could refer my husband, I would get the 20,000 point referral bonus. He would get the 80,000 points. So that was a thousand dollars the next time. So mm-hmm. that was a really, I mean, it was a good sign up bonus considering that I was just cashing my points out to be able to cover our DVC rental. Right. And then is that just been kind of your, you said that's kind of been your routine is to yeah. refer each other back and forth. Okay, so yeah. I want to. I think Heather, you and I had a conversation in DMs one day where you just blew my mind <laughs> with the fact that you can have more than one ink card. Yeah. Do you care to talk about that? Sure. <laughs> I I don't know that it's a secret. I think maybe because on Instagram Chase is not allowed to be talked about by name, maybe people don't talk about it. But there's nothing hidden in the fine print if you read through the fine print. For any of the ink cards, there's nothing in there that says that opening multiples of the same card is not allowed. It, there's nothing There's nothing in the fine print that restricts opening multiple cards. Um, for so, that, yeah. for the ink cards. Right? Yeah, is for that the what you're yeah. Yeah. Because like the Southwest cards or even the yeah. Sapphire Preferred or the Reserve, they have very clear like 
48 month. Uh, there's a 48 month waiting period before you could yeah. be eligible for the sign up bonus again. But when you told me that there wasn't anything in the fine print about the ink cards, I was like, I have been wasting my time. Yeah. Same. <laughs> I know. That is it's so crazy. The only okay. thing in the fine print just says that you have to spend the minimum spend in order to receive the sign up bonus. Like that's the only requirement that they have listed. Well, and let's just specify for everyone listening. These are business cards. So these are Chase business cards. There's three different Chase Inc. business cards. And Heather, I know for you, I don't know about your husband. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're opening these as a sole proprietor. You're using your own, your social security number, your name, all of your personal income. It's not like you have an LLC or tax ID, anything like that. You're just opening multiple, the different, three different Chase Inc. business cards as a sole proprietor. Correct. Yeah. I only open cards, business cards as a sole proprietor. My husband's the same. Um, and I actually don't even open the Chase Inc. Preferred anymore because it's such a high sign up bonus. So mm-hmm. I just alternate between the two Chase Inks that don't have an annual fee, the Chase Inc. Um, Unlimited and the Chase Inc. Cash. Um, I just alternate between my husband and I will alternate our applications. But we just go back and forth between those cards. And I think I was counting up today. I've, in the last three years, I've earned nine Chase Inc. sign-up bonuses. And my husband has earned seven. Holy moly. Kim, what are we even doing? (laughs) What am I even doing with my life? (laughs) And I was... That is amazing. I was totaling up the points. We've earned about one and a half million points in the last three years just from the sign-up bonuses from those cards. And the referral bonuses. So that's not counting any of the spend on the cards. That's just the sign-up bonuses in the last three years. So it's definitely, if you are in the business card arena, it's definitely a very lucrative way to earn basically an unlimited supply of ultimate reward points. Okay. So I have a clarifying question. Sure. Do you use only your social security number to apply for those? Or are you using a tax ID? Are you alternating? I only apply with my social security number. I don't have you've never had an issue. Nope. Nope. I always once you told me that. Oh, go ahead. Oh no. I will just say I always go in and kind of clean up my account before I apply for a new card. And I find that I just am auto approved each time without any issues. And what do you mean when you say clean it up? So I will either close an older Chase Inc. card that is over a year old that I'm just not using anymore, or I'll just send them a secure message and ask them to lower my credit limits to, you know, $2,000 or something really low, just to make sure that when I apply for the new card, there's not an issue of me having to call in because they've extended me too much credit. Okay. And how, what's like the, the most you've had of one card open at the same time. So let's take the ink cash, for example. Do you I have to open at a time? Three? three probably is the max of the same card that I've had open at the okay. same time. I think currently I have three unlimiteds open and two ink caches, but I just closed a cash card before I opened the unlimited to kind of free up some credit. So okay. three is usually where I'm at. I try to keep my business cards with Chase around five or six, no more than six open at a time. Okay. That's just my personal preference. I didn't, there's no reason for that, but 
it just helps to keep the extended credit down to have fewer cards open. It's just, so, I just remember we need, go ahead, Sam. I know Kim and I are just feeling a lot of emotions right now. Some regret, <laughs> some jealousy, a little bit of wonder. I, I mean, it really runs the gamut of emotions, but basically I, I'm trying to just focus it all into excitement for what could be in my future. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But so basically, there's nothing in the fine print about, okay, does the fine print say that you can only earn a new ink welcome bonus every certain period of time? Or is there not even anything about that? There's nothing in the fine print about the number of times a business can earn the sign-up bonus. And there's no language that talks about the amount of time between sign-up bonuses. There's no restrictions, like I said, besides simply meeting the minimum spend. That's the only restriction to earn the sign-up bonus. But I did hear you say once on Instagram that you don't apply for a new ink business card more often than 90 days. Correct. Yeah. No, pacing, I think, is really important with Chase just to make sure that you stay in their good graces. Um, I always space my applications out by at least 90 days. And I think that's a good rule of thumb for any credit card application. But especially with Chase, if you're dealing with a, the same card with Chase, I do 90 days, usually 95, just to make sure I'm not miscalculating on either end. Um, but usually every 95 days, I just apply for a new Chase Inc. card. And I usually, I can't think of a time that I haven't been auto-approved. It's just, I just go in, clean up my account apply and it's in my account. And did you learn this from that Facebook group you were talking about? Like, was this something they tipped you off to or you just figured yeah. it out? No, when I was just getting into travel hacking, um, my, yeah, my original plan included multiple chasing preferred cards because that was the most lucrative um, sign up bonus at the time that you could get with a chase Inc card was that 80,000 points. So yeah, my plan included having two of those sign-up bo bonuses for both myself and for my husband to cover all the um, points that we needed for our lodging and tickets. Can you also talk about the, uh, <laughs> I cannot think right now, the Chase <laughs> Sapphire Reserve card, because I know you hold that card as well and that it allows you to maximize your points in an even more lucrative way. Yeah. Well, my like dream team of cards, chase cards includes a preferred card. I personally prefer the reserve just because of how I redeem my points. Um, but having a, uh, having a Sapphire card with the ink cards, that combo earning the points on the ink cards with no annual fee and then transferring them to the Sapphire card, it just allows you to redeem your points in the way that, you know, you want. So if you're just transferring your points, redeem, earn them with the ink cards, transfer them to the Sapphire card, and then, you know, send them on to Hyatt or Southwest. I personally like the Chase Sapphire Reserve because I use Pay Yourself Back quite a bit. And so I get a lot more value because with the Chase Sapphire Reserve card, the Pay Yourself Back is one and a half points per dollar. Wait, I said that wrong. Yeah. Um, we one have one too. And I am so like, we keep saying we're going to get rid of it, 
but I think I might miss that. Yes. We don't no, use it a ton, but when you do, it is. It's like a much better value. Well, and I, I a while back calculated out the difference between if you're redeeming using the portal or pay yourself back, that if you are redeeming more than like 80,000 points within a calendar year through pay yourself back or the portal, then it pays for itself to have the Chase Sapphire Reserve. And the Chase Sapphire Reserve also gives you those premium card perks that um, if you don't have a platinum card or if you don't have a Venture X card, it gives mm -hmm. you, you know, the TSA pre-check credit. It gives you priority pass. Um, so it is a premium travel card also, along with just being a great way to redeem your points. Now, yeah. how did you, how do you do the pay yourself back for Disney? What kind of purchases are you paying yourself back for? Um, so this year we've been putting all of our dining on our Disney trips on our Chase Sapphire Reserve card because dining has consistently been a category. So it's been really nice to be able to go to the character meals or go to those more expensive restaurants and not have to like worry about if we're blowing our budget because we know that we can just erase those with our ultimate reward points. Um, I would definitely keep an eye on the pay yourself back categories because they change quarterly and right now there's nothing that's really mind blowing for Disney, but we were able to take advantage of pay yourself back more when grocery was a category because we could buy Disney gift cards at the grocery store to then buy tickets. And then we were able to erase those grocery store purchases at one and a half cents per point. So we just got more value that way. I th I'm not sure if this is correct, but is the current pay yourself back category, is it still Airbnb? It is, no. but it ends at the end of September. Okay. If you don't extend it again for the fourth quarter of this year, then it should in theory change. Okay. I checked and they hadn't announced any new categories or any extensions to the current ones. So it's kind of a waiting game. So I'm not somebody who typically uses my points for things like theme park tickets because I just, I'm like, I know I can get more value somewhere else. I'd rather like earn money some other way. But when, but when you told me how many points you had earned from this whole ink credit card thing, I was like, well, no wonder mm -hmm. you could, I mean, it's just, it almost feels like an endless supply. Yeah. Well, and once you factor in referral, you know, referring a spouse, each mm -hmm. time you're doing a new sign up bonus, it's over a hundred thousand points for us which is $1,000 if we just were to straight cash that out. So it's um, a lot of money to just like turn your face and be like, I'm not redeeming my points for cash because you can get a better value, obviously, other places. But if you're earning hundreds of thousands of ultimate reward points, you can kind of do a little bit of both. You can transfer points exactly. to, you know, airlines or hotels for one vacation and then cash them out to cover expenses and I like doing that. I like cashing points out because it kind of allows me the best of both worlds. Like I can still plan a budget Disney trip the way that I know how to using like DVC rentals, buying discounted Disney gift cards. So mm -hmm. I can still plan a really nice trip on a budget and just use my chase points, you know, cash them out to cover that. So I'm not just cashing them out to cover a very basic trip. Like I'm still taking a nice deluxe resort trip. 
You are, no. but you're doing it on a budget. So it's not yeah. like you're paying the rack rate for a Disney yeah. resort and then cashing out. You're yeah. you're actually saving a lot of money by renting DVC, like you said, mm-hmm. and getting discounted Disney gift cards for your tickets. And on top of that, then you're cashing out. Yeah. Ultimate rewards. Yeah. It's brilliant. Do you ever um, buy, you said you buy gift cards at the grocery store. Do you ever use the ink cards to buy them at office supply stores? Is that part of your strategy too? Oh yeah. The only time I would buy the Disney gift cards at like the grocery store was when I was able to directly erase my grocery purchases with right these points using pay yourself back. I am a big fan of going to Staples and buying, you know, my Disney gift cards at five times points. Um, actually I, I did that for a little bit and then I just, one time we were buying tickets and so I ended up buying all the Disney gift cards they had available, trying to have enough money for tickets and use those to buy Disney gift cards. And so then I found out that I could stack not only the five times points on the MasterCard gift cards, but then I could also get cash back by using those MasterCard gift cards on Shop Disney. So that's my new favorite stack is to earn five times points at Staples on just like the $200 Visa gift cards or MasterCard gift cards, and then take those to Shop Disney to buy a $200 Disney gift card and earn 10% cash back on that. Okay, Heather. So obviously Chase points are a huge part of what you're doing for Disney. Are you mm-hmm. using other points currencies as well? Are there, do you use them for different things or do you mostly stick with Chase? Chase is definitely the one that we earn the most of. We have dipped our toe into Capital One Miles, but we've used all of our Capital One Miles now. And I don't have a really, I don't know how to easily earn more Capital mm-hmm. One Miles because we have the Venture X and the Venture Card at this point my husband and I both have those. So we're kind of at the point where we don't have any miles left, but, um, capital or not capital one chase, the ultimate reward points is our primary way of being able to earn travel points in general. You might not know this off the top of your head, but it just, the question, do you know what an average, like when you go to Disney, are you going for a week? How long do you stay? we usually stay at least a week uh, when we go. How much do you think that ends up costing you? Like, I know that you're using, you have all these tricks for how you're saving money on it. So I'm just curious at the like end. The, the cash value of the trip or how many um, points? Like what you're actually spending. Even if you end up withdrawing, you know, cashing out points to cover yeah. some of that. I'm just curious, like, what is it costing you? I... So in January, we went for eight nights and we bought um, six day park hopper tickets for five people. And with the DVC rental and our tickets, I think the cash value was around $6,000 for that trip. And then we were able to use ultimate reward points and cash them out to cover that. So awesome. That's great. Um. Okay, so if somebody was just getting started in all of this, kind of like you were a few years ago, what card would you tell them to start with? I would look at getting a Sapphire card first. I feel like that's just a pivotal card that you have to really have a Chase Sapphire card in order to do a lot of the redeeming that 
you would want to do. Um, but then I would switch over to the business card side and then the next moves I would look at the ink cards because those cards will just allow you to continue earning the ultimate reward points that um, you can then redeem with your preferred or your Sapphire card. Can I ask a question, a follow-up question about business cards? So I'm a sole proprietor and I've opened two business cards now within the past few months. So I believe now that I'll get approved. Um, but I have like a part-time salary, part-time sole proprietor, legit salary. Mm-hmm. Not that anyone's salary isn't legit, but I know that a lot of people who are opening business cards are opening them. Maybe they just sell a few things on the side or have a smaller side gig that they're using on their business application. And I'm going somewhere with this question. So I would love Heather to do what you're doing, which is where I open a business card and then I refer my husband. He has zero legitimate side gigs. He does, he's not, has a nonprofit job. He doesn't do any side gigs. I, and I have three. So (laughs) he needs to start. (laughs) I know. So this is my question, Heather. What do you think, or Kim, you can answer this too. What do you think is the minimum amount that he would have to be generating to ethically fill out a business application with Chase for an ink card? Is it $1,000? Is it $10,000? Do you know if there's any kind of a threshold? I don't think there is any threshold. I I don't think so either. Yeah, I have always applied and I'm always very honest because I know that they could ask for documentation, business Mm -hmm. documentation. I haven't had that come up, but I know that they could. So I'm always very honest. And I know for me personally, I think I've filled in with maybe $10,000 a year as my lowest, you know, expected business income and had no issues with being approved. Um, I have filled out my lowest income for a business is $500. Ooh, which bank was that with? Um, with Chase. Mm. Because okay. my first business card was, my business was selling like my kids' clothes and stuff on Facebook Marketplace. And yeah. so I wasn't making like huge money. Mm-hmm. But I think it's more just that you're honest with the amount that you're, ex- mm-hmm. it's even, I say what you expect to make yeah if you're a new business starting out you can report what you project to make within the first year reasonably and Mm -hmm. you know that's fine on the business applications but yeah there's a lot of times where you know there's things that I do that my husband also participates in and so we'll share the same business information even though we're applying separately so if you Mm. If somebody has a business that they do on the side and their spouse also helps out somehow with that business, I would feel that there's no, there's no problem for your spouse to apply and use the same business info, even if you may be the primary person running that business, if that makes sense. That does make sense. That might be the route I go then because I have, like I said, I'm a consultant part-time and then I have almost free traveling income. And then we also rent our house out on Airbnb. So technically I have three, but he's definitely involved with the Airbnb rental. 
and a little bit with almost free traveling. That's really helpful. Yeah. And when you apply, there's a drop down menu that says like, what is your role in the company? And there should be one that's like, you know, shows that you're a partner within the company. I've always just said I'm the owner, but I don't think it really matters what you pick, but there's definitely different roles in a company that you can apply for a business card as a sole proprietor and, you know, hold those different roles. Okay. Good to know. Do you ever, when you're filling it out for your husband, do you ever put partner? No, I always just put owner. You always say owner. Okay. Yeah, I do. Okay. Heather, what is your business? Do you mind me asking? Sure. Um, I have several like Sam. I have, so my original business, I used to do like consignment on eBay and mm-hmm. that's kind of fizzled over the years. I still sell things here and there that I've already listed, um, but it's not my primary side gig anymore. Um, I also have a teaching resource store on a website called Teachers Pay Teachers. So I just, whatever digital resources I make for my kids, I upload. And then, you know, that's not very much income a month, but it's something. Um, And then like you, I would, you know, sell things on Facebook Marketplace or doing kids consignment sales. So that's kind of the other thing that I've applied for small business cards using. It's awesome. It doesn't take much. No, mm-hmm. what I love about it. I think people get intimidated by applying for a business card, but you don't have to be like making thousands of dollars Mm-mm. to apply. So, um, okay. So I mentioned earlier that I might ask you this, what are some other ways that you might earn money or save money to use towards your Disney trips? Um, I'm a big fan of bank bonuses. I think that that's easy. Free money most of the time is just to sign up for a new bank account and they don't count against, you know, you can do a bank bonus and a credit card be working towards a sign up bonus at the same time because most bank bonuses, they're not pulling your credit at all. They might do like a soft pull, but that's not showing up on your credit report. So definitely bank bonuses. Um, We gift our kids like a trip to Disney for Christmas. We did it last year and we're doing it this year. So we ask relatives for gifts towards that. So whether that's like a Disney gift card for park tickets or for their spending money, um, asking for, you know, Disney gift cards instead of toys at Christmas time. That's another way to kind of get some more funds and then just buying discounted Disney gift cards, finding ways to save money on, the Disney gift card purchase kind of helps cut things, cut the costs down. Okay. I have a question. You mentioned um, hard and soft pulls on your credit. So the two business cards that I've opened in the past 60 days, neither of them showed up on my credit score. One was with Amex. One was, was, was with city. I already had a personal credit card with both of them previously. The one with Amex I closed. The one is with City is still open. Do you find that there's a hard credit pull every time you or your husband open a Chase Inc. business card or how has that gone for you? I found that Chase always will hard pull your credit, even if hmm. you have, you know, a bunch of cards open with them. Each application is a hard pull. They don't soft pull for anything credit card related. 
But as far as your 524, none of those inks, they're not accumulating in your 524 no. count. No, the Chase business cards are all excluded from the 524 count, but you still have to be under 524 in order to apply for those cards. Right. Sam, do you have any more questions about points? Yeah. Credit cards. Go. I do. Do it. Um, this is something I, I have a feeling Heather's one of those people who everyone's DMing on Instagram, just constantly asking you things. And it's, we were talking about this before we started recording, but there's different teachers or people who used to teach on Instagram and now they have points and miles accounts and they are just these deep wells of information. Heather's one of them. Beth is another one. And then the points and miles teachers account. But all that to say, this is probably something we've talked about in DMs, but um, I think I asked you if you had reopened an Amex card ever, because there's this fable out there that you can only open Amex cards once in a lifetime. And I think you said that you reopened a business Amex before. Yeah, I've, well, I learned recently that the co-branded Amex cards are typically excluded from the lifetime language. Now, I will say the fine print says differently than what the data points will say, but mm. we recently reopened a business Hilton card and we didn't get the pop-up at the application time, met the minimum spend and received the sign-up bonus. And we did the same for the Marriott business card. So I don't know. We I think it's a your mileage may vary. We did. So I say that I think my husband got the pop up on the Marriott card saying that he had already earned the bonus within, you know, whatever he was going to be excluded from the bonus. And then I applied and I did not get the pop up. And once I met the minimum spend, I earned the sign up bonus. So did he maybe get that pop up because he'd had a different Marriott bonus from Chase in the past 24 months? You know that rule? Yeah, no, technically both of us should have been excluded, but I had read online that, you know, if you are applying for the business co-branded cards, so any of the hotels or airline cards, that the lifetime language, it does not always apply as long as you don't get the pop-up. So I was just kind of testing that out. Um, he got the pop-up. I didn't, but we had both applied for the Marriott business cards a couple years ago at the same time. Mm -hmm. So in theory, we both should have been excluded, but... I was able to apply and got the sign up bonus without mm -hmm. any issue. So I definitely think that's more of like an under the table. Like it's not something that Amex is like, it's not supposed to work, but it does. It does kind of thing. And I think it's, it's only with the business cards, the co-branded ones. Okay. Co-branded Amex business. Yeah. There are so many of the like no lifetime language links floating around for all of the like colored, the charge cards, because it mm -hmm. used to be on like the platinum and the gold and all that. Like that was once in a lifetime. But now it seems like every new offer for those cards is like I get emailed offers frequently for those cards with no lifetime language in it. So they oh. seem to be getting a little bit looser about sign up bonuses on their cards. And for anyone who is like, what are these pop-ups that people that they're talking about? I think with Amex, if you do not qualify for the bonus on one of their cards, you'll get a pop-up that will kind of give you a warning. Like you may not, right? It's like you may yeah. not qualify or something like that. Yeah. 
So or you can you open the card, that? but you won't receive the bonus is what it usually will say. Okay. Like they're so happy if you to don't get it. that, is it safe? Do you think? That's, like, what I, that's what I read was that if you don't get the pop-up on a card, you know, that in theory you shouldn't be eligible for the bonus on again, that you will earn the bonus once you meet the minimum spend. And we found that to be the case with both the Hilton business card and the Marriott business card. We should in theory have been excluded because we had already earned the bonuses, but we didn't get the pop-up. We met the minimum spend and the bonus points posted without any issue. When do you get the pop-up? Is it when you initially click through to the application or is it when you actually hit submit? It's when you actually hit submit. Okay. And I will say backing up to the hard pull question about Chase, I had applied for the Marriott offer with like the five free nights that they had the Chase, I forget, with the Boundless card, I think, a few months ago. And I noticed that I, and I wasn't eligible. I didn't realize when I applied that I wasn't eligible. Chase never actually pulled my credit on that application because I wasn't eligible. So hmm. Um, that's just something to note is that if you apply for a card like that, that you're not eligible with for Chase, that they didn't put it through as a, like a regular application. Well, that's but, good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I mean, it's, it's nice for the Amex cards because you can kind of fill out the application and just find out before they pull your credit, whether or not you would earn the bonus. Right. Because, or you submit your application. Um, so but I think it's definitely a year mileage may vary. And I did find that if I tried to refer my husband for the Hilton card, because he applied for the Hilton, that when I tried using a referral link, it gave him the pop-up. But when I just tried the application in incognito without a referral link, it went through fine. So you might just have to, if you're trying to go that route, you might just have to accept that you are not going to get referral points. Yeah. Okay. Well, Heather, tell us about your trip that's coming up that you're gifting your kids for Christmas. Do you have anything fun planned? Any extras or fun dinner reservations? Anything like that? Nothing really out of the ordinary. This is kind of our last hurrah before our annual passes expire. Um, We're actually going down because I'm running the marathon, the marathon weekend in January. So that's like the main reason for going to Disney is so I can run the races Um, But we are staying for 10 days at Disney. We're doing a split stay between the Boardwalk Villas and um, the Swan Reserve using Marriott points. So we're really excited. So fun. Are you using rent DVC for the Boardwalk Villas? Yes, we rented DVC points um, for the Boardwalk Villas and then use Marriott points for seven nights at the Swan Reserve. Is awesome. the board the Epcot Resort area your favorite? It, yeah, it is. My question. kids, yeah, my kids love Epcot and Hollywood Studios the most now that they're tall enough to ride all the rides. So we we love that area. Being able to walk to both parks, both Hollywood Studios and Epcot, um, it just makes the trip so much easier to know that you can just be a ten minute walk back to your hotel room <laughs> if you need a break or if you want to swim. It's just really convenient. And the ambiance in that area is just, I love it. I love it too. It's well, hard I to be. I just beat. have one more question, Heather. Okay. Do you, do you have room for two more? 
We are we're not one of those people that will like book a room that has lots of space. We try to cram into the smallest possible. So like we we love the studios at the boardwalk because they sleep five people. Like there's the little pull down bed that sleeps five. Um so that's nice. And at we're trying to upgrade at the Swan Reserve to like a suite because they have the two bedroom suites, but I have to kind of wait it out. Wait, I waited too long. Well, you, you can, I originally reached out to um, the Swan and Dolphin and whatever, the reservation department when we first mm-hmm. booked it. And they quoted me like $200 a night would be the cost to upgrade. And so I was like, I'll wait it out. But now that I've waited it out, they don't like they're booked for oh, part okay. of the, our trip. So now I'm just waiting it out for someone to cancel so then I can jump back in and hopefully get a better rate. Because I've heard people that are able to pay like $100 a night to upgrade from a standard room to a suite, which I'm fine with like $100 a night. But $200 on top of all the points that I was using just seemed a little bit much. Do you have Marriott? So what I hear... Yeah, we when we signed up for the business cards, the Marriott business cards originally the one of the perks was platinum elite through i think we're platinum elite through february of 2023 mm-hmm. so we'll still be platinum elite which is nice for our trip and is that why you upgrade or is that just anybody could pay the, the i think anyone extra? i think anyone can pay a little bit extra i've heard okay. that they the swan and dolphin and the reserve are not as generous with upgrades because there's a lot of people that go there on points. Um, Mm -hmm. So I was willing to pay a little extra just to guarantee ahead of time that we would have a better room, but now I've drugged my feet too long that they're sold out. So what I hear you saying is if you get the upgrade, Sam and I can come. Potentially. Yes. Potentially. If you want on the fold out couch, (laughs) then perfect. Okay, one last thing we need to cover. This is something inexplicable, but I need Heather to say it on air. Heather, you kind of stand by figment and the figment ride, and you say (laughs) that it's because you have a childhood attachment to him and that that ride has gone through many iterations, but I need more of an explanation. Right now, I need to record it. Why do you like figment? Figment is just one of those Disney nostalgia things that if you've grown grown up going to Disney World, you just have to love him. Even if the song that he sings is very repetitive and kind of annoying, um, him, Figment as a character is just one of those, you know, pieces of your heart that you can never get rid of. I'll take your word for it. Do you have the popcorn bucket? (laughs) I did not get in on the popcorn bucket. We have a couple of figment stuffed animals. That's about, and I do have a figment spirit jersey. So that's wow. about figment love goes. He's the mascot of the arts festival, the festival of the arts. Mm-hmm. So that's why I have him on a spirit jersey because I got the festival of the arts spirit jersey last year. But that's incredible. I do, I do love figment. He's one of those kind of those good memories from your childhood. There's a lot of that at Disney where it doesn't make sense to most people, but it's just one of those things that if you've grown up going, you just love it. Yeah, they brainwash us. I don't get it either. It's okay. (laughs) 
I do not understand the pigment popcorn bucket thing like that. I had to draw the line there. Like there was <laughs> to spend half your day in line for a piece of there plastic. Were, literally, there were people standing there for six hours. Like, and the how much money did they spend to get in the park? Yes, <laughs> it's crazy. Well, Heather, this has been so fun. Can you tell us where we can find you online or on social media? I am on Instagram at homeschooling on points. Great. Sam, follow Heather for more. Well, I just need to say the the reason you should follow Heather is because Heather is not affiliated with any affiliate links. And so she talks freely about chase cards all the time. She has highlights about chase cards, posts about chase cards. So Mm -hmm. it kind of sets you apart, Heather. And I do think it's giving you your own little niche. Yeah, it's nice to be able to mention them by name and not be breaking any rules um, because they're definitely a very lucrative bank to get in on the points with. So clearly. Yes. All right. Thanks, Heather. Kim and I love bringing you Disney content every week. Thanks for showing your support by using the credit card affiliate links in the show notes. It costs you nothing and means everything to us. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode of the Disney Points Podcast, where we'll unpack another way to save on your next Disney vacation. See you real soon. Thank you.